0: The car you drive every day should be fun.
1: But it has to do the boring stuff, too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries.
0: You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this
1: is the Everyday Driver Car Daily. Wow, that was interesting. We uh, just watched the <laughs> Faraday Future Live reveal. The same thing we did last year. It's almost like we're gluttons for punishment or something. I, yeah, I, yeah. Lots to talk about there. Uh <laughs> We could we could make this the Faraday Future podcast, but we won't, I promise.
0: We shouldn't. We shouldn't, yeah. We, we actually do have uh, two car debates tonight. We are going to try to actually get back into the swing of car debates. We have uh, we have two friends. We have Kyle writing in to us asking some questions. He actually, interestingly enough, has a Tesla Model 3 on order and works for Tesla, so that's an interesting discussion. And we also have uh, Tony writing in from Arizona, who has a BMW 1M. He doesn't drive much. And a car debate. Uh, Okay, so I have to get myself wrapped up in the fact (laughs) that the 1M isn't getting driven much and then talk about the car debate. That's coming. Facebook questions are coming. There's a lot to cover, especially with this Faraday thing.
1: Yeah, jumping right into this. uh, Like I said, we watched it last year when they revealed the spaceship craziness that we pretty much slagged on. But you know what? They deserved it for that. And here we are Mm -hmm. one year later. This is CS Week and Las Vegas. And they have revealed their new car the, the one that is the production vehicle that yeah. everybody will Supposedly. buy, uh, I actually took notes on the reveal. I was just so floored by all the differences between Tesla reveals and pretty much anybody else. It's almost mm-hmm. like Tesla has become the Steve Jobs of presenting. They've got one guy doing it, and he does everything because yeah. he's sort of the yeah. the name and face, whereas Faraday is backed by Chinese money, and it's got a number of different players and I just, the, the differences are astounding. We watched the reveal here. They actually mm-hmm. parked the car. It, it has driverless valet. So the car parked itself out in the parking lot and you can see Las Vegas in the background. So yes, it was all real. And again, I will tell you what I, I tell everybody. And that is I'm all for technology and progress. And, uh, I'm, I'm so curious what, uh, what's coming and what's out there and what people are working on and, <clears throat> all those things but there were uh <laughs> lots and lots and lots of issues uh to talk about with this one
0: there's a ton of things to discuss and i you know i i will admit uh we were working the twitter while it was happening and i i i have to admit my personal proclivity here my personal problem there's a reason we don't normally go to press reveals there's a reason we don't normally watch them Part of it is because they drive me completely up the wall. I, I don't care who's revealing what car. it is such self-congratulatory PR junk. I just I feel the moments of my life ticking away that I will never get back. And so this, so, so, so some of my ranting demeanor is, is just on, it's not even on Faraday specifically. It's just on Faraday fits into that category. I mean, I feel that way when I watch the Tesla stuff. It's just like, stop with the PR stuff. Yeah. I just, yeah. Uh, about how, and So that just drives me nuts. And actually, this was over an hour long. An hour in, I stepped away briefly because my son was was going to bed, and I wanted to say goodnight to him, all that kind of stuff, because that, that does matter. And my wife looked at me and said my favorite comment, which is, is it still going? And I said, yeah. And she said, this is a car reveal, right? They haven't cured cancer. Wow. <laughs> was that's like, a great that, comment. That is very appropriate. When it when you're over an hour, you better be. I mean, yes, they they did not cure. I said to her, "I said you're right. It is still just a car." And yes, they did not cure cancer. But based on the flowery commentary up front, the suggestion would be that thank God for them because they are going to save the world.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, to your thoughts there, the overarching story here is that they are the biggest, bestest, fastest, winningest, awesomest, mm-hmm. most mm-hmm. coolest everything touchdown Kansas City we we did it all kind of reveal <laughs> yeah and i was thinking to myself as the the evening progressed here and i thought okay great the the only nugget they gave you was a $5000 refundable payment to reserve your mm-hmm, car mm-hmm. but they didn't tell you the price and they kept nope. going on on and on about all these features and i think to yeah. myself yeah. i suspect faraday is trying to pack too many features into a market that only early adopters are going to buy and purchase. This isn't going to be for, you know, pretty much regular families. Yeah. Even though the styling and the interior space will prove that, and that's kind of the market they're going after is a lot of interior space, and it will work for sure, a, sure. a large amount of people. It didn't start with the the Roadster like Tesla did. But look back mm-hmm. at the early Model S. It didn't have a lot of things. It worked. It didn't have the semi-autonomous yeah. Yeah. features. Yeah, yeah. It didn't have a True. lot of the latest tech True. and and sensors and all that kind of stuff that they've upgraded various cars with. It was revolutionary, but they, they didn't even have ludicrous mode on those early cars either. Yeah.
0: They Fair were point. just
1: Fair a point. great electric car. They wanted to fit into people's lives. Yes, it was expensive. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. just think… There's too many features because they kept going on and on about stuff. They didn't talk about safety. They didn't talk about a lot of things, which made me think, okay, we're still looking at a very early pre-production, not even that, more concept, because to talk about safety, you've got to crash test these things. You've got
0: to
1: go down a very, very very deep rabbit hole there to even talk about that. So there were a lot of things they left out, but again, Mm -hmm. it was just more of a tease. And they claimed, we're going to stick around. We're here. We're doing it. The, the comments, the live comments on the YouTube stream oh, sure. were priceless. I was laughing yeah. out loud on some of them. They were There was some <laughs>
0: serious vitriol there for oh, sure. Oh, my right. yeah.
1: And it's easy to jump on. It's very easy to – It is. It is. Well, but – You know, poke fun at, at the, not only the people but the cars and the tech and all this yeah. stuff. Overall, for them to come out of nowhere, impressive. They have finally got a car. It yeah. still yeah, yeah. has a long way to go, baby, but I am I'm, I'm giving them I'm 50-50 right now on them. I don't know where you're at, well, but I'm I'm kind of balanced right now.
0: I I you're probably going to be more balanced than me. Uh but but I have uh, the thing that I kept gleaning from it was what's the bigger play here? You know when we watched the Model 3 reveal, I talked about what I saw as the bigger play. Tesla than the Model 3. And in the Tesla situation, I think it's electric gas stations. I think it's that network. They Mm -hmm. could make money on that. That's an actual business model that I could see making money. When I watched this, I think the bigger play here isn't the car. Because they talked about the opening thing, the whole opening thing, and then it was touched on throughout, and then it was revisited in the end. It was about data. It was about you having your FFID, your global ID. That transfers from your house to your car to your mobile to your everything. The play here, as far as I'm concerned, is not the car. It's Le Echo or whoever the actual Chinese parent company is. And by the way, side note, who sells hoodies to billionaires? Why do billionaires (laughs) show up places in hoodies? Do I need to go – do I need to wear my –
1: They're trying to Do I need to wear
0: my pilgrimage hoodie? so that I can be a billionaire? <laughs> You've got to be kidding They're me. They're trying and to I, and I bet with everybody. You,
1: we're cool. We're here Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. I'm impressed. You're wearing a hoodie. And I suspect it's probably some custom-made hoodie that costs more than my house. It's a hoodie. <laughs> anyway, side note. But but I think the play here is just data. You've got this Chinese company that I think, candidly, wants to be global Google. Yeah. And you start, because, because step one, step one, of this whole thing, before you even do your five thousand dollar deposit, they are considering your initial information the start of your FFID. Very I don't true. see this to be about cars. I see this to be about data capture. We want to be we want to be not just Chinese Google. We want to be global Google. Because the whole opening was about connectivity. It was about you can transfer everything you're doing. Every car's the same because you've got your phone in your pocket and we have your ID. I, look, I'll be an old fogey for a second. I don't like that. I don't like that. Now, I realize my dad is out there. I mean, my 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 father and other people that I know are very concerned about. I don't want to get my dad to get out. Your dad is out. It, <laughs> it's, it's out, out. there. It, it's out there. You, you have sorry. a digital signature, and sorry, it's already happened. Cat is way, way out of the bag. But this is a company that I feel like Google's the best example I've got. Google already owns all the data, and now they want to make cars. This company's saying, "Hey, we want to make cars." When I think the real play, the sleight of hand here is, we want to own all the data,
1: yeah. all the patterns, oh, all of
0: the everything. So I don't think it's about the car at all. That's the big thing that struck me. And then the other thing that I do have a rant on, and that is, the term disruptors. Can we kill it now, please?
1: <laughs> There's Can a we lot stop of buzzwords that need to, to die. To be
0: disruptors. Because the thing about disruptors, and I actually I tweeted about this as well, the thing about disruptors that bugs me at this point, the reason that I think the word just needs to die, the whole concept needs to die, is I think we now need to have a bar that's reached where if you want to claim to be a disruptor of an industry, you need to have come in with revolutionary ideas and be making a profit.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: I mean Because all <laughs> of these companies that claim to be disruptors, the Teslas, the Airbnbs, the Ubers, Faraday Future the common thread in all of them is they are burning through somebody's cash to claim they've changed an industry
1: i'm with you on that one i never believe anyone when they claim something is future proof it's a buzzword people love using it they think uh this is you know the greatest and you know your your apple watch is going to be obsolete in 7 months but you know let's get started let's tell y'all about it and uh i i Anytime I hear the word seamless and future proof and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Fair,
0: fair, fair,
1: But the whole, the overarching you know, thing that I, I went away with, it, it smacks of Infinity's entry into the automotive business. The way they started mm. way back in the 90s, where they showed you a door handle and they compared it to nature. And yeah. there was a magazine spread of advertising Infinity cars, and you're thinking to yourself, where, where's the car? I, I just want to see the car.
0: It's a rock and a tree and a logo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It spent way too much time not in the spotlight. And I know that, you know, again, it's not in production, but Tesla's Model 3 introduction was far better, and those aren't in production. They were, they, Mm. he let them bask in the lights and, you know, take as many photos as you want and all that stuff. If you're going to reveal a car, well, reveal it. You know, tell us where you're at right now. I think people would be less inclined to... You know, tease it and that kind of thing. If you're a little bit more forthcoming in that sense and show a clear direction well, rather than just making all these amazing claims, on and on and
0: on. And then why, well, why are we in are, the
1: zero to sixty drag yeah. races? Why? Why Cla- now?
0: Claims are claims are easy. Execution is difficult. I mean, I I, I feel like. Car reveal-wise, this had two sections. I feel like the first half was successful and the second wasn't. The first half had the self-parking car routine. Mm-hmm. Now, I can be a cynic and go, you can have a guy stand outside of the camera lens and actually remote control the car in. I you thought of that. You could do that. Yeah. But let's just, let's just assume that it did it right. Okay? So that worked. And then the drag race thing is interesting to watch, except for the fact that you're drag racing and just it, – it's not actual side-by-side drag racing. So now the audience has to see how impressed they are based on the, their impression of the last car going by. Okay, that kind of stuff kind of works. But then at the end, the CEO is there. The car's got to park itself. It drives itself into the back of the stage and then decides to, to freak out and stop. And then it follows the white line very sheepishly to, to where it's actually supposed to be. <laughs> right. So that second half was a failure. The first half kind of worked. And what I kept thinking as I watched that was it struck me like SEMA cars. Yeah. You go to SEMA, and here's this car we built. And let us tell you the 45,000 ridiculous things about this car. The, the You'll never believe the horsepower and the things that we chromed. And by the way, this is diamond encrusted. And have you seen these <laughs> seats and all this kind of stuff? And yeah. yes, te- technically you drove it in here, and technically you drove it away. But it's a fever dream. It will never be anything more than this SEMA car. And I started to feel like I was watching a SEMA build, SEMA reveal, near the end of this thing.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Some of the best comments from people were, uh, hey, how's the factory build going? You pay your bills yet? Uh, What else? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's actually not a car. It's a place. We've... Redefine the future. No, we've reformatted the auto industry, the future of mobility, user value, and your hard drive. So there you go, everyone. It's uh, smartphone integration, facial recognition, and user permission management. I wonder if all this, as you said, you know, it's so much tech. You know, Skynet when it figures Mm -hmm. out how to kill you. I wonder if that's going to make me run screaming back to manual transmission only cars. You know, back to Mm -hmm. you know, Datsuns. Just they they work. You turn them on, yeah. they work.
0: Manual transmission cars with a carburetor because that yeah. way they can't do anything to you. Yeah, I, I, I get your point. <laughs> there is that conspiracy theory element. Then there's the screenplay currently building in my head. But uh, but I take your point. I mean, th- that was – but that's back to the opener that we talked about. They're talking about revolutionizing everything in your life that relates to data and the car is a piece of it. I don't think the car is the point.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. Data is the most valuable thing there is. And uh, mm-hmm. the more they have on you, the more they can target advertising and target your life. I mean, that's what – yeah, everything yeah. is targeted that way. So I'm uh, – yeah. I
0: have to ask I have to ask a design question or two of you. Okay. All right. I, I want you to speak on the design because, you know, again, I can't get past the kind of SEMA th- thought here. I felt like the only cool design elements personally – was the wheels that change for aerodynamic features, that's a cool interesting idea, and then to see what they did for the mirror concept because every car designer for the last twenty years has shown tiny little stubs with cameras at the end for side mirrors but the NTSB etc won't approve that so you have to put big mirrors on. Well they've created a version that actually has both and if they ever get approval then they can go from one to the other. I just thought that was at least you're trying, I don't know that that's successful but you're trying, but I just felt like some people have been saying Toyota Venza. I see a long wheelbase Ford Edge.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that too. Yeah, I mean, I I think you're just asking why this design concept, I guess, why this shape, why this, you know, the wheelbase, all that stuff.
0: I just, I guess I felt like, I felt like this is where it is every other car reveal PR thing. Because the design element is always like, we've done something nobody else has done before. And I'm sitting there going, no, I can look up images and overlay them and pretty much say it looks like these things. Mm-hmm. I, I just, that's every reveal on the planet, I feel like. And this looks like, for all of the discussion of aerodynamics and future tech, I was like, it's a Ford Edge.
1: Yeah, I can see that. And everything, even the lowliest headlight assembly cluster, is driven by regulation. You know, the headlight smash test and all those things. Yeah, 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 sure. You know, there's a lot to consider. And so while, you know, modular construction, that's not new. That's been around for quite a while. True, true. The integration of elements and, you know, the way they use technology, that's maybe a fresh way of, of looking at it. So, yes, you know, those things they've been done before. Everything's been done before, right? But then there's new technology that comes out, or it works in a different way, or we've integrated it in a different way. It kind of looks the same of, you know, 20 years ago when they had some sort of concept, but actually it works better. It's integrated into the car better, you know, mm-hmm. leaving yourself room for, you know, as you said, the camera or the mirror, those kinds of things, you know, interpreting design elements, and then, you know, what what is the technology they're packing into it, and then of course, the federal regulations in every country, you know, it's Change the reason everything. they, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, combine turn signals into a headlight cluster. So for manufacturing and assembly, it's much faster. Mm-hmm. But from a sure. repair the car kind of standpoint, it actually costs us more money. It's the consumer, you know, that mm. takes the hit on that because, you know, don't separate the taillight from the headlight assembly or the uh, – sorry, the turn signal from the the headlight assembly that's – Two extra pieces. It's more tooling. It's more manufacturing. Let's just make it all built into one thing. That's a more expensive unit. My, my, yeah. just my turn signal got damaged. I don't need to replace the headlight. You know, that's a sure. cheaper way of, of sure. looking at it. But you know, it, it's constant savings, and uh, you know, walking that line. So, you know, they've got uh, production and, and a price point to meet, and. Again, I'm looking at this thing, thinking, okay, this is way out of the range of all of us. I mean,
0: mm-hmm.
1: come on, even Tesla is trying to drive the prices down here, and you've jumped back in with them. All this amazing stuff, and you won't even tell us the price or what you're targeting. Mike, my, that's my guess is 150. Oh, that's easy. My guess is 150. Easy. But yeah. That's
0: that's my suspicion. Um, because you talked about it being like priced like a luxury automobile, and you know some of the stuff they're running it with. I think it's. You know, I mean, they didn't—they didn't drag race it against anything that cost less than a hundred grand or less than a couple hundred grand. You
1: noticed that, huh? You know,
0: yeah. I, oh, I did. Yes, sort I of, did. Uh... Uh-huh. It wasn't—it wasn't just hot stuff. It was also very expensive stuff. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> a Roomba with four doors. What else?
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh... <laughs> well, you know, the, the other thing is that I noticed that you've talked to me about before. It's the profile. The profile has that lower rocker in black that that you've educated me on is is there purely to reduce the impression you're gonna say it better than I can but the impression of the size of the body side
1: yeah the visual height yeah it reduces that and there's all a lot of little tricks being played with blacking this out or you know design mm-hmm. tricks to to reduce proportion sizes because that looked like a fairly big car. On the other hand, they've got a large battery in there, and they've got a lot of range, which is great. Hopefully, a lot of interior space, and that would work for, you know, let's buy an electric car, Mm -hmm. and let's make it usable and functional. On the other hand, it's going to be ridiculously expensive. You're right. When they roll out a Bentayga, nobody shops for those. Nobody I know. (laughs) I mean
0: (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> Just, well, Bentega, Bentega, and Ferrari are both a quarter million dollars. Oh my God! The the Model S and the Model X were the affordable cars of that lineup, Yeah. and they're still the way they had them specked, hundred and thirty thousand dollar cars.
1: Yeah. So therefore, families aren't going to be buying this thing if it's priced like yeah. that. I mean, not most families, not the everyday driver families. So
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, come
1: on, people. So therefore, I think take tech out of it. Take all that cool stuff. Reduce it. Still give us the range, and leave it at mm-hmm. that. Maybe that's your biggest selling point. It's safe and it's got a long range. People would buy that for sure. forty, fifty thousand dollars. Sure. $50, sure. I, yeah, I see that. You know, I see that. So interesting point. Yeah. That was a failure, I I think. But their big success is, they continue to push through. They continue to you know to bring it out and. And, uh, operate they continue to burn
0: money. Is what they continue to do, I mean, bring out, bring out the the, the billionaire in the hoodie, yeah. and and you know, we're just like you. You're spending billions, and I think it's a data collection scheme. Uh, uh, the yeah. the other the other the other thing I have to ask you as a designer, and I don't mean to to kind of put you on the spot and throw stones at you as the only designer represented in this conversation, but seriously, what was wrong with doors and handles? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> did I, did, I, did I miss an uprising? I mean, the, the design world seems obsessed with we must revolutionize doors and handles. But all of these designers, I know, go home to houses that have doors with handles on them. They're not walking through their house and they're doing the, the Star Trek thing and Shh, where the door opens. That's not <laughs> happening. Where is this revolution of pitchforks against doors and handles? Why I'll can't we just you. walk up and open doors? <laughs> I'll tell you,
1: it's an easy one as a matter of fact. When you're sketching a car, door handles are ugly. They ruin the drawing. They ruin the lines. To to my knowledge, there's okay. not really ever been a door handle that is truly beautiful and a work of art. There's some that are okay, okay looking. Okay. But it breaks mm-hmm. up the body side in a way no other element on the car does. Everything okay. else, the lines flow, they wrap, the headlights are integrated, the wheel arches are the wheel arches – You know, the greenhouse, all those lines, everything flows. And then you've got this ugly thing that has to exist that's stuck right smack in the middle of the body side where the surface is the most gorgeous and where it's finely tuned. And I have to put this wart on the car. Designers Mm -hmm. will leave them off intentionally in the sketches. And then they think, huh, maybe you're coming up with some sort of concept. How do you open the door? And they come up with some sort of solenoid and tech and all that kind of stuff. Sure, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It breaks it up visually. It's ugly. I just I hate to say it, but they're very useful and very necessary. So, mm-hmm. what's the balance here? Nothing against door handles; they just uglify a car, and that's the biggest okay. reason. Well,
0: I I will I will actually give you credit for a phenomenal design answer there as to why they're awful. But I just keep coming back to, and I thought about it when we drove the Model <laughs> X. I just like a door. Yeah. Can I just have a door, please? I, I don't. I doesn't need to do anything fancy. It's a door. I yeah. just like a door on a car. And it's he like, hey, we have suicide doors in there, and they have a touchpad, and oh, stop.
1: <laughs> I think this saga goes on. I mean, they've just – they should have had this car last year. You know that?
0: I agree with that. They should have I agree with that. started this, this with is their, this. this. This is their car from last year's press, press conference. I, yeah. agree yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you.
1: And then, you know, uh, yeah. a year from now, okay, finally it's in production. They're naming some very ambitious goals that I don't believe at all, and I think mm. that's the shot against you can, them. Yeah. But
0: okay. you can order big time by March and then March of this year and they're gonna deliver by twenty eighteen. That's but it's this it's back to this disruptor element of we're gonna say a lot of amazing things about how we change an industry while we burn through bonfires of cash. But don't pay attention to that. <laughs> do, do, never never mind we're burning through bonfires of cash we've disrupted an industry and haven't made a dime 1400 I, I, okay. employees
1: right. 1400 employees mm-hmm. in 36 countries that's 1400 people on payroll and these are
0: highly yep. trained
1: highly educated professionals mm-hmm. that need a salary a high salary
0: well, wow you've made the point before the guys on stage tonight those aren't interns. Those aren't guys who just came out of college. Those Never. are guys with massive history. I mean, the lead guy started there. You said he, he did Tesla Model S. The guy that did the yeah. performance stuff has, has work, used to work for GM. He was back with GM's EV1 program. And since, that designer's been on lots of things. These are guys that are commanding big salaries. And they went to uh, Faraday because they got enticed by both the company and the paycheck. Yeah. So these aren't fourteen hundred. These aren't fourteen hundred interns that are working out of the goodness of their heart. Yeah. Anyway. I mean,
1: yeah, they're not being paid with fireworks and meatballs. They need a paycheck every two weeks. I
0: mean, come on. Wow. <laughs> All right. Okay, I mean, so mean, um... this is it's it's a concept <laughs> car. It's an unknown, and it's a big splashy reveal, and it's easy to rant about. But I just, I would like normal doors. Okay. Just normal doors. That's my first rant. And this is data collection. I'm staying with that.
1: Chevy has your car. It's called the Bolt. It's $37,000, yeah. and it's all electric. <laughs> it's got a decent range. It has door handles. You can buy it right now as well, and it probably works great. So um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. And GM, and GM will collect my data anyway, but yeah. at least I won't be walking through the General Motors infrastructure where everything in my life is supposed to be controlled by General Motors. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. Well, uh, we could continue to rant, as uh, we said at the top of the podcast, but Clearly. we do have a couple car yes. debates that uh, kind of relate to everything we've been talking about here. But uh, mm-hmm. we've got Kyle in Connecticut. He's 21, and he owns a couple of cars. And as Todd mentioned, he already works for Tesla in Connecticut. He yeah. gets plenty of acceleration runs. Remember how we were, you know, apparently in this new day and age, acceleration runs mean everything, and that's by yeah, which we I judge don't get a car. That either.
0: We actually didn't talk about that but I I'm sorry but I don't judge a car based on its 0 to 60 time but that is something that is generally the metric but I don't I okay my FRS is my FRS is slow
1: yeah in comparison and it is yeah.
0: one of the most fun cars I've ever driven so explain that to me yeah because of, because apparently if it doesn't do under 3 seconds 0 to 60 it's not worth buying it's this don't even look at it yeah what, what? Come on. Why can't it get under three seconds? I mean, you know, who wants that? <laughs> exactly. You know, you, you, what a you dog. commute You commute at five miles an hour. Your car needs to do <laughs> zero to 60 and under three. These relate. <laughs> this makes sense. Oh,
1: my gosh. Well, uh, Kyle gets plenty of P100D acceleration runs, and therefore nothing else feels fast to him now. So he's got a yeah. currently a Mini Cooper S Countryman. And a 2016 BMW M3, which he's owned for about eight months, has gone through five sets of tires and loves the car, but he told us that he's not really encouraged by it to find the limits of it. He likes it, Mm -hmm. but he's open to a lot of different scenarios here. So he's working with about $50,000, and remember we mentioned he's a Tesla employee? Well, he's got a Model 3 on order, and therefore... We've never had a debate like this because he's really just looking for a one-year placeholder kind of a car to enjoy before this Model 3 arrives. And as an employee, mm-hmm. he'll get it mm-hmm. sooner than everybody else. Now, yes. I still don't think it's going to be a year. I still think it's further out than that. But I, I, uh, I think he's all over the map here.
0: But he's closer to the front of the line. That's the key thing. Very true. I mean, this is a guy. This is a guy with a really good chance of getting a Model Three about as early as you can. When that's going to be, we don't know. Yeah. But it's not like he's number two hundred on the sign-up list. He's an employee, and the employees and the people that have been massive, like the guy Randy that we uh, we drove his Model X that he, that he owned five. Randy will get a Model Three pretty early on, and so will this guy. So Kyle will have a Model Three about as early as possible. But, again, we don't know when. The thing I think is interesting, there's a lot of things about this that are interesting. He has done a lot of track days, a lot of autocross. He's even become kind of a high-performance driving day instructor in his local area. He owns this countryman that is his go-to track car. And the M3, which he bought new, which means major money was thrown down. He had one of the first M3 competition packages in the U.S. And he's concluded, it's awesome, but only when I hoon it. And I'd rather take the Countryman, the smaller car, for track days. So the M3, he just commutes in and goes, I, I'm not loving this car because of how I'm using it. Awesome when I hoon it. Otherwise, big, expensive car I'm not getting much out of. This is a fascinating twist, I feel like.
1: Yeah, I, my brain is really running wild on this one because I've got a lot of questions for Kyle and the audience here. Because Kyle is essentially buying a car with selling it in mind. True, true. We do that too. Everybody who buys a car knows eventually you're probably going to sell it, but that's not the thing on your mind when you're buying it. You're just excited yeah, yeah. to get a new car and you know, integrate it into your life. But he's going to be buying knowing that he's going to turn right around and get rid of it. Mm-hmm. The other thing, the question that I want to ask, and this, this is really on my mind here, is once you buy your own electric car, will you ever go back to an internal combustion engine? Hmm. And Kyle, hmm. my question is, will the, this be, this interim car that we decide on here, will this be your last internal combustion engine car, even at age 21? Are we going to get hmm. so spoiled? Or are you going to love it so much when the Model 3 comes? Will you ever go back because of all the benefits electric will provide you? I'm just mm-hmm. asking. I'm just wondering. Interesting. Once you go electric, is it sort of like, I, I can't ever go back? Or is it permissible? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just asking. I feel like mm-hmm. I would give myself permission to go back. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, some new great thing comes out. I, you know, I might want it. But I just kind of think are we all leading towards, you know, better and more refined and higher mileage? And then once you buy an electric car, well, that's it. You're kind of locked in for the rest of your life. You got to just upgrade your electric cars from here on out as they come out. I'm just wondering maybe you can go back, but well, for that reason, Maybe you need to get something that, you know, internal combustion engine car here that you're just going to enjoy thinking, all right, I'm never going back mm-hmm. and this is my time.
0: I'm just asking. Interesting. Well, that, that that those are interesting ponderances. And I do think one of the things about this that I find so, so intriguing along the lines of what you're saying also is that this mini Countryman keeps being his favorite. That's the car he wants to take to the track, not the M3.
1: Which is so intriguing.
0: I agree. He likes small and chuckable, which the, the current M3 – is a hammer. It's it's an unbelievable performance car, oh, yeah. but the last thing you can say about it is that it is small and chuckable. It is not. So <laughs> right, right. the the fact that he's I mean, look, it's it's just going to destroy many many things with its power and capability, but not a chuckable car. So I think it's funny that he's back to this countryman which is even which is even an all-wheel drive, by the way. Uh so he likes that small thing. That his interest in BMWs in general cuz come on, he owns the Mini, he has the the M3. He's thinking about obviously getting rid of the M3. Should he get rid of the Mini? All of these things, it took me a while, but it finally led me to a scenario that I want to walk him through and go, I think this is your answer because we do have this Tesla looming. You're right. And I actually wonder, to your question, I wonder about this. You know, we've joked about how if the whole world goes electric, autonomous cars, you and I are now making horse videos. Yeah. You know, we've made we've made that joke. But I wonder if the enthusiast of the world start to treat their combustion engine fun car the same way that people that love horse riding did when they got their first car. The car became the thing that was the errand runner and the thing that I had to go places and I have a car, but I have a horse now that I just like to ride. And I wonder if it'll be, I have my electric autonomous pod that does all that stuff, And you know what? This weekend, I'm taking out the old air-cooled 911 or the (laughs) Hellcat or the whatever for 100 miles because I just like to ride my horse. You know what I mean? -hmm. I just wonder. Could very well be. I
1: I can definitely imagine a scenario like that. I really do. Uh, yeah, Kyle here is has uh, given us a lot of choices here with uh, mm-hmm. what's next. Huge email.
0: <laughs> huge email. And, uh, and he has, he's trying to spend about fifty grand. I mean, he can get a lot of money out of that M3. So it's the do I get rid of that, do I keep the Mini, a myriad of choices. Sorry, keep going. It's just this is a huge email. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, the, the theme here is unique. He's naming off unique cars, and clearly he has owned and owns unique cars. He's named 997s, used Aston Martins. Even some SUVs, Audis. Mm-hmm. You've looked at. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess you're not really a huge fan of those. But you looked but at looked the Focus at them RS, and decided it like them. Yeah. Mustang GT. Didn't like the interiors. Uh, certified pre-owned BMW X5, uh, Porsche Macan. All these suggestions, which I think are great, but you haven't distilled it down and really put some some planning behind this. And and mm-hmm. this line of thinking is just designed to help you kind of sort out all these choices in your mind, Kyle. I feel like you need something that encourages encourages you to find joy in driving. A car Mm -hmm. that is quite possibly less powerful than you're used to. And something whose character and personality aren't really worn on its sleeve, you know what I mean? They're not Mm -hmm. immediately evident, but then it just brings a smile to your face on your favorite road. So really, I'm searching for something with personality here. Cars that we love, that we've driven, except of one here, but things that we've driven that we you know really come away with you know wow this is just has a lot of personality and mm. it's not mm. just because it's a drag race you know burn the tires up kind of car
0: sure sure
1: so i came up with the low medium and high settings on the budget they all kind oh, of wow. work okay. in this 50 grand budget and then a, a okay. quick wild card cool. here all of them very unique the MX5 RF is a car we keep talking about we've driven the the new MX5 sure. but not the sure. RF yeah. that's a unique car i think that might just You might just gravitate towards it. You might even keep it if you get the Model 3. I mean, Mm, mm. uh, tons of personality in that car. We have recently launched the Icon film. If you haven't seen that, that is our ode and love fest to BMW M cars, M3s. (laughs) And I'm coming away thinking, how about a 235i or a BMW Mm -hmm. 1M? You can easily get either of those cars for $50,000. And then I thought, huh, what about a Cayman? But a first-generation Cayman R, which is hmm. kind of hot okay. enough. They've dropped, I think, yeah. just at or slightly above the 50K mark. And a bit more Cayman on steroids, that kind of thing. A tiny bit more power. You could get it with the PDK or the six-speed manual. But sure, very sure. focused, lots of feel and excitement to that car. A bit mm-hmm. different than, uh, than even the S or the regular Cayman. And then my wild card, a Lotus Avora S. Very unique. Hmm. Easy 50K. Hmm. Well, maybe not easy, but stretch a bit on that. That's why it's a wild card. But all these cars have loads of personality, and they're just going to make you go search for what lies deep in the car. It's not just a, as you said, like a Hellcat. I'm just wearing it on my sleeve. I'm a muscle car. Or I'm a, you know, yeah. whatever. You got to go find it. You got to go, you know, plan a drive to extract joy hmm. out of this thing. And. Just enjoy it and enjoy your year with it or however long. Maybe you'll end up keeping it. Maybe you'll, you know, able to keep both. Who knows? But Hmm. uh, I think all these have a lot of personality and could really, you know, help you find that character, help you find that joy. So those are my suggestions. They're all – That's cool. Various price ranges in there, but uh, I think they could all really be fun
0: yeah you 've given a good a good smattering, and some of them overlap with what i 've got. I actually was trying to think about what 's the scenario here for kyle what 's the what 's the kind of through line of do this then do this, then do this, and try to give him yeah. car cars in each of those ranges and this model three that 's lurking is very interesting in the scenario. And the Mini that he keeps hanging on to, I mean, he's pretty much stripped to turn it into a track car. He even says it's starting to be a bit of a money pit, and it's on its second engine. Wow. So I have yeah. to say to you, Kyle, you know what, man? The Mini's gone. We're going to get you a different new track car. Okay? So what I did was 50 grand, two cars. I think I've got a scenario that works for Kyle. Hmm. Two cars. And I'm thinking about that Model 3 that's coming. Okay? He likes BMWs. We need a new track car, and I want to get you into a small, chuckable track car, but I want to go rear-wheel drive for you. I think you need that experience in your your track car. So small like the Mini was, but rear-wheel drive, well-balanced, okay? Many of you are probably already reading where that's going. (laughs) But let me head the first direction, though. You work for Tesla. You have a Model 3 on order. You know what you need to buy, BMW enthusiast? A used BMW i3. Ah. I've only spent... 20 grand. I've only spent 20 grand. Hmm. And here's the thing. You have your BMW. You have your commute car, which is the way you feel like you're not even using your M3 right now. You want a car that's better to commute in than the Mini because the Mini is basically a track car, BMW i3. I don't know how long your commute is. It's about it got about a 100-mile range. But I also keep thinking, this is the car you're going to get rid of for the Model 3. So now you will have personal experience, not only with, you're staying with the BMW brand, but personal experience about... Where is this in relation to the Tesla? If you end up talking to people about the Model Three, you will have experience of driving the i three and you will be you will have personal experience of just having that as your commute car. I think that i three especially considering they're twenty grand now used that 's amazing. Go They've get fallen yourself that far yes, I know. go get yourself one of those, so that 's twenty grand gone, but i 've got thirty left then I go think think you go shop for. Take your pick of the following. I'm just going to list a lot of the usual suspects here. But for 30 grand in your pocket, you want to chase a track car. You could go the kind of more powerful route of the 370Z or a Cayman. Okay? That's the kind of more powerful route. Or if you want to stay less powerful, you could go S2000 or FRS. Small, light, chuckable, not that powerful, but incredibly informative. Sure. Yep. So what do you want your track car to be? I think that car, whatever car that is, kind of stays for a while and stays and becomes your even more focused track car. If you want to go even more nuts, of course, Lotus Elise is out there for 30 grand. So I think it's, it's two headspaces. Get that I3 in the garage for your this is the car that goes when the model 3 comes. Get you that experience. And then what's your 30 grand for a track car? and chase that rabbit trail and divide yourself in those two categories. Get rid of the two current cars you have, the Mini and the, and the M3. Chase those two rabbit trails and see where you go. That's where I'm headed.
1: It's interesting, those I3s, that, yeah, they've, they're they almost like a starter electric car now,
0: you know? To some degree. But if, but if you're going to do a starter electric car, I think the I3 is more interesting than the Leaf.
1: I do. I agree to that. And you can actually find them now with the boosted pack up to 180-mile range. I don't think the early cars had that. The
0: extender thing, yeah.
1: You know, you work for Tesla, but you haven't actually lived with an electric car on a daily basis. You don't know how you're going to like that integrated into your daily life because you're going to think totally differently about your drive, your commute, range, all that stuff, where do I recharge, all those things. And it sounds easy to just say, oh, it'll be easy, maybe, but it might be, as Todd said, a good way to just kind of try it out for a little bit. You've got another car to rely on. But you know, you're just trying to see how do I like this whole thing and I well, you know, maybe the Model Three is amazing and it keeps going from yeah. there, or maybe maybe not. Who knows?
0: But uh, But I think the I three will do all of the stuff he wants the he, he needs the M three to do right now. He's not using the M three as a hoonmobile, he's using it as a commute car. Right. Well the I three can do all of that. Right. Yeah. Errands and commuting, I three, let's just do that. they're done. Mm-hmm. And it's still BMW. I that's why I went there.
1: Huh, very cool. All right, well Kyle, hopefully that helps you and uh thanks for writing in. We appreciated this enormous email. <laughs> it
0: was <laughs> yes. huge. Yes, yes. Yeah,
1: definitely <laughs> extracting was. information out of this, but true enthusiast, track instructor and uh yeah, kudos on the cars you already have and keep us posted on what you end up getting. So that's uh yeah, like I said, hopefully that helps you. Uh in the meantime, let is uh let's move to Tony in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Who's got a 2010 Jetta clean diesel? <clears throat> not so clean yes. anymore. We know where that
0: going? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He actually put clean. He put clean diesel in quotes, which I loved. And actually, on that note, we had uh, JP that wrote a, a really good article for our site a few months back about starting the buyback process.
1: Oh, well, right. He's right.
0: going to do the next part of that story. That article will probably drop if not not by the if it hasn't dropped by the time you hear this it's coming in the following week so depending upon when when all of this happens but that article is coming so that'll be an interesting discussion because he's he's doing it firsthand and kind of walking us as the non DDI owners through this madness so yeah that's what happened with clean diesel tony you may want to read that article as well but uh, sorry keep going
1: oh yeah well he's already a 1M owner and uh, thanks for watching the icon mm-hmm. film yeah i hope you love that the 1M sits though. It's uh mm-hmm. <clears throat> not being driven, Tony. You live in Arizona, you can drive this car year round, just saying, you need yeah. to I, Give her some more exercise. A, Todd's in pain over I here. I have by a
0: love-hate I have a love-hate relationship with our friend Tony. I really yeah. do. You have a 1M, which makes you one of my favorite people. You don't drive it, which makes me grind my teeth. I understand. <laughs> I understand you're looking at it as an investment car. And I'm just thinking, drive your car, drive your kit. Ca- can I come drive your car? <laughs> if if you can't bring yourself right. to drive your one M, can I fly to Arizona and drive? Give it exercise. Exercise. I, I, will, I will sacrifice yeah. that way. I will buy the plane ticket. Tony, let me know.
1: <laughs> wow. Well, uh, yeah, he's uh, about to spend thirty or forty thousand somewhere in that range, and wants something that is a little bit nicer, not so, you know, raced out, riced out, and. Uh,
0: Something I mean, that is a manual transmission. So he's replacing the a Jetta. Thing. I mean, that's what well, we're replacing here. Yeah, so we're not yeah. going to go too off off into the weeds. But the manual transmission part is a good twist.
1: It is. It's got to be a sedan because you've got a family now. He's 37 and married with uh, a new child. So congratulations on the growing family, Tony. But sounds like you don't want the SUV but definitely need the backseat room. So we're really looking mm-hmm. at a sedan but the manual transmission is hard. And as you realize, there aren't very many manufacturers left that will offer a manual transmission four-door in North America. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, the, the choices get narrowed down very quickly. And I like that you suggested a WRX STI, GTI, use 335i, you know, all those kinds of things, mm-hmm. usual suspects. I think yeah. I found your car, though. And I didn't even have to max out on the Paul limiter to do it. Really? I, I feel like I found it here. It's it's almost – it was almost easy, Tony. I hate to say that, but <laughs> it was almost easy. I just thought, well, boom, done. So here it is. Really? OK. 2013 BMW 550i sedan. I found hmm. you one with 24,000 miles on it for only 36,000. It's got a manual transmission, hmm. lots of power. It's a nice big car, perfect shape, only 24K miles. I think being a BMW enthusiast already, and it's a great size for your family, all that stuff, I think you'd really dig it. I initially thought M5, but then prices on those are still too high, and I don't know if you really want or need the M5, as great as it is. So I I backed off that, and I thought, well, gosh, I wonder if the prices on the 550 have dropped a little bit. Sure enough, they have. I mean, you can actually find them for less than that. You know, of course, the mileage goes up. But if you want a really nice one, 36,000, done. And gobs of excellent. power. It's a That's near excellent. M5 yeah. car. So mm-hmm. pff, you got to have both. You've got a larger sedan, still BMW. You've got the 1M to drive mm-hmm. whenever. And it's mm-hmm. a four-door. And the biggest thing is it's a manual transmission. Because, again, Mercedes, nothing. Porsche, nothing. On yeah. and on and on. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's interesting. Shrinking. Once you...
0: It's funny that once you say four doors, manual, or, or, you know, I'm not even going to say four doors. Once you say back seats and manual, it's not even the four doors oh, anymore. Oh, yeah. It's just yeah. back seats and manual transmission, suddenly the world is small. Yeah. <laughs> Instantly, your, your list has shrunk immensely. So I, I think that's quite fascinating. I actually like the three that you brought up here, uh, Tony. And uh, you you've talked about the WRX STI, the GTI Golf R, and the used three series, as Paul said. But you acknowledge two things that feel contradictory to me. You say you will have some clients to drive around, some kind of business executive clients, so you can't go boy racer, which makes the STI fall away. But you also would like this car to be able to handle track duty. Now, unless these executives run a track... These are very counterintuitive uh, realities for this car. <laughs> so we have to get something that seems kind of nice to be in, but when you have the opportunity, you can go really track and hoon this car and manual transmission. Okay, getting harder. I have a, I have a couple. I, I kept thinking along the lines. I like your, your BMW, by the way, Paul, but I kept thinking along the lines of the size of that Jetta. I use that as my guide for you, Tony, to try to say something in that approximate size. Okay, So. The first one I I, I landed on was Mazda 3. You can get it, manual transmission, it's nice inside. I think it's a good alternative to the Jetta as far as even gas mileage is concerned. No, it doesn't get as good as the quote-unquote clean diesel. But it's in the upper end of gas mileage for cars of that type. I and mean, we're talking mid-30s generally on that car. So that's not bad by any means. You can get it manual transmission. Everyone we know that has a Mazda 3 thoroughly enjoys it. You won't have any executives driving around in it that are going to have a problem with a Mazda 3. Not really a track car, though, I will admit. Right. But good car. Right. So that made me think, OK, you have a 1M, you don't drive. <clears throat> um, that's that really keeps, that roasting his just, chestnuts, Tony. I that's mean, really just eating away at my brain. Yeah. Um, I do think the Golf GTI is a great choice. I, I do think it, it hits all the buttons. You've, you're still in Volkswagen, but uh, hey, do the buyback and get a GTI for cheap. That's the key thing here. <laughs> right. They will they will possibly hand you a GTI as a parting gift. So uh, if you could shop the GTI, I think that definitely works. But thinking about your not-really-driven 1M and you want a track car, I have to say M235i. Get a used one of that. Manual transmission, back seats, small and chuckable, still BMW. I think that's a real contender. And then I have a crazy wild card. Oh, really? I'm not really sure why this struck me, but I was just thinking the dual personality of the car he's looking for. Okay. You remember you know our friend Sasha that comes to the Park City Car Club? Oh yes. Remember what his car is? You know, Sasha's the owner of that pink jag that we drove. That's not the car I'm talking about. That's a separate car that Sasha owns. Sasha's everyday car is actually really interesting. It is a dark red, you know, kind of the maroonish factory color, four-door Honda Accord.
1: Right, right.
0: I've been with Sasha on some of these car uh car club drives. I've seen him drive at the track. He hoons that car. He's done I'm going to get it wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's his main things he did initially were sway bars and tires and transformed that car into a hot rod. Now, I know he's done more since, but I think his initial stuff was that. So there's a part of me that just says, Tony, you can get yourself a reliable, unsuspecting Honda Accord, manual transmission, and then put good tire sway bars on it so you can go track that thing for fun and it'll just keep running. I'm in wild card territory, but it struck me. So I thought I'd bring it up.
1: It could work. The coupe, the Accord Coupe is manual transmission. Easy. The only problem, mm-hmm. you know, it's got the CVT, so you'd want the manual in that car. Oh gosh, but, yes, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. We drove that that Accord coupe, and I I can't say I disliked it. I mean, not damning with faint praise here, but I I can't say that I, you know, really came away thinking, ah, oh, this was terrible, it's a Honda Accord. No, I kinda liked a- it for a lot of reasons. The price was great. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it's
0: a hidden it's a hidden enthusiast car that's like one tweak away from a genuine enthusiast car.
1: Yeah, I mean it doesn't have all the the ingredients. It doesn't have rear wheel drive and you know Agreed. a few things. And, yeah, it's not perfect, but you know, I mean, they're not. Your choices aren't four doors, so but they are plenty of space in the back seat. So mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of you know, gotta figure out what uh, what's most important there, but. Um,
0: Agree, I, I agree. like that, too. Yep. The
1: coupe is, especially the Accord coupe, that kind of is always lurking. And it's got a manual transmission still. Even mm-hmm. coupes alone, it's one. still hard to yep. find manuals.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, uh, Tony, thank you so much for writing in. Hopefully that's uh, helpful to you as well. But, man, we got to get jumping right into some Facebook questions, which uh, <laughs> yep. came at us here. And, uh, gosh, what do, you, uh, what do you have? What's stuck out at you here?
0: Well, so far, what stuck out at me is the uh, Faraday Future reveal and the things I could rant about and the 1M that's not being driven. But if we're actually talking Facebook questions. (laughs) Telling you, Tony. (laughs) <laughs> oh, man, uh, Luigi wrote in and asked a question That is very very timely He asked about uh, seeing more of my FRS build We're about a week away, Tony uh, Maybe a little more But that is one of our next big videos coming out Is the FRS that I have Versus one that's supercharged And we put the tune on my car I'm actually really excited about that piece it, We shot it uh, in, when it wasn't snowy yet Now it is very snowy yes. uh, But uh, that's actually coming up very soon So I'm glad that you are curious about it And I hope you will enjoy it
1: Austin Boone is asking why we don't recommend the Lexus ISF as a good alternative to the Chevy SS. It doesn't have the manual transmission, but is reliable and it's got V8 power. Austin, yeah, the, the SS, like you know, could have even recommended that for Tony easily in that sweet spot with manual transmission, sure. four doors, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, the ISF is up there. We like the ISF. It's it's like an eighty percent car. And then there's mm. cars that come along that stir us more from personality that's or power fair. or that's something fair. else, and we think, well, I just I like it better. The Lexus is good, but it's it's just never a standout in terms of personality where I feel like I really connect with it. And uh, you know, the styling is, eh. <laughs> not fully sold well, on the styling there, but.
0: I agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, it's good. I don't feel like the the Lexus ever quite lives up to how cool its engine is. Yeah, Um, yeah. And I do like it. I don't feel like it's as good dynamically as the M3, which is one of the reasons we overlook it a lot. Uh, But it is a very solid car choice. The reason I don't actually bring it up compared to the SS, and I, I may get this wrong. I don't have the stats of both in front of me. But I think of the SS as a much larger car than that ISF. Oh yeah. Definitely, so if we're definitely. talking about you know rear seat room and that kind of thing, the the SS is just it's more car. So um, that's one of the reasons that I don't really cross shop those in my brain. But it doesn't take anything away from the ISF in that regard. Victor wrote in and asked. Uh, he was talking about uh, we just we just talked about television in our last podcast. It was state of the show. We talked about the fact that we're headed for Velocity Channel second quarter of 2017. Big gulp follows that statement because there's a lot to do. <laughs> yeah, but there is. Uh, and 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 in the process, actually, we're excited about this part. As a part of our whole deal and the whole way it works out, we have a few sponsor spots that we can fill. We're looking to fill those. So if you have – I mean, if that interests you, you want to advertise a 30-second commercial on Velocity Channel, reach out to us because we can get that done for you. So uh, we're excited about that. But he asked, okay, so if we're going to be on TV, what happens to our international viewers? Our are, are international viewers, or, or if you don't have Velocity Channel, can you see this content? So that made me realize we needed to clarify a couple of things. Uh, the intention here is that the TV show will financially drive greater content in general. Okay, So the intention for the first season, there will be some recycled stuff. There will be some stuff that you haven't seen too, but there will be some stuff that is variations of stuff that's already been on YouTube. I'll, g- I'll give you a great example. The Think of our Focus RS comparison that is a great example of the kind of stuff we will be doing for television, a multi-car comparo. Those are the ones we like to do. They're expensive and timely to do, but it's perfect for TV. So those kind of things, the intention will be that the television budget will pay for us to make big films like that, that will be for Velocity and then also released on YouTube. So that's the intention. Now, obviously, we would like to have them released on TV a little bit ahead of YouTube, but not like, well, a year ago. No, you'll be able to see them on YouTube still. We'll still feed the YouTube channel. But our hope is, I hope I'm not going too far into the weeds here, but our hope is that the television production will ultimately feed YouTube, and we'll still do small stuff for YouTube. But the big throwdowns will come out of that uh, TV release.
1: Yeah, this is a huge undertaking for us. So we announced that on the first podcast of 2017 that we're going to be on TV. We're really looking hard at that. And I will add that we have sponsorship and advertising opportunities still available. So if you uh, know somebody that might want to take advantage of an opportunity like that on Velocity Channel, please let us know. What else did you have? I've got Dammy, who is writing about cafe standards and how that relates to Mazda and their Mazda speed performance line and why it's going mm. away. Mm. I will say, Dammy, in terms of car companies on the planet, Mazda is not that big. They're kind of a smaller True. car company, True. if you will. Yeah, they're yeah, large, yeah. of course, but in comparison to the Toyotas and Nissans and GMs of the world, they're kind of small. And so Definitely, I would imagine yeah. that they're trying to marshal resources towards maybe an electric car of their own or, you know, they can only do so much with what they've got and they're looking at their market share of performance cars and thinking, all right, well, we've proven ourselves there. Where is more market share for us? Where's the growth? And so they've got hmm. to,
0: hmm.
1: yeah, redo their resources and, and uh, you know, kind of take a hard look at the finances because after all they're not a charity organization they've got to make money so
0: <laughs> or or what are they going to or do? they could decide to be disruptors and get some VC money and then they don't have to care <laughs> i'm just saying that that uh, this is this is apparently the proper current business model is to just decide what I want to be actually is not a business owner. I'd like to be a disruptor. And then you call up Silicon Valley and they throw you money and then you don't have to worry about it. That, 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 that's a business model you and I missed, but that's, <laughs> that's the one that is the really, the happening one right now. Well, we're up against an hour already. I uh, those are the two that struck me the most. I wanted to speak on, but uh, thank you guys as always for listening and for engaging with us on these uh, questions. We're actually going to broaden the questions to all of our social media outlets. So if you're on our Instagram or on our Twitter and you want to uh, post for, uh, you want to actually post a question, we're going to do our best to post to ask for them before we do recordings. Uh, but obviously this is uh, Friday, second second podcast 2017. We've got a lot of ground to cover ahead of us, and we are going to do some topics and things. We would love your rating or sharing of the podcast. That really helps us. So thank you to those of you that have already done it. And if you haven't and a thought about it, we would welcome it.
1: Agreed. Thank you so much. If you haven't seen Icon yet, on Vimeo for rental or download and also on Amazon as a Blu-ray. And all of our films are on there. So just saying – Uh, Just a reminder there. (laughs) And uh, thanks for following along. We appreciate all of your support, especially to our patrons on Patreon. We appreciate your support tremendously. We couldn't do it without you. And it's shaping up to be a good year, everyone. Thanks for joining us and looking forward to talking to you next time. Thanks, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.